Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's ready for Monday night. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who's in a hotel in Monument Valley, Arizona. Yeah, that would be me, Ryan Newman. And Michael, I liked your uh, emphasis on welcome. You were emphatic was on I, that Was one. I really on point there? Felt, felt strong, yeah. Well, it's going to be a different episode. I'm a little bit sick, so maybe uh, maybe I'm a little sexier this episode. Could that be it? <laughs> nah, it I don't can't think be that's it. possible. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that's possible any more sexy. <laughs> um, I'm also joined by the other brother who, as always, is... Just a few Kyler Murray rainbow passes from where I am. <laughs> That's true. That would be me, Trey Newman. All right. Let's start out by giving an update to our Bowl Mania pool. There are only two teams left, really. Two teams that have a chance to win. First is Bad Picks Roger in first place. And in second is Levi Webb. And so the only way Levi Webb can win is if their picks are different for the CFP championship. And then, of course, if if Levi's pick wins. So we'll see what happens, but looking good for Roger. Bad picks Roger, huh? The irony in that name is 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 great. Yeah, it is. Um, so we have a lot to get to this episode, and we're going to go in order of importance, not necessarily chronological. So uh, we'll start out by recapping the semifinals, and then we'll, of course, preview the championship. And we will end the podcast by recapping the rest of the non-playoff games, bowl, bowl games that uh, we haven't gotten to. So let's do it. If you're not interested in that, you can turn off the episode. At that point, we won't be offended. After you've already subscribed and... Of course, yeah. subscribe. Five-star review. And five-star review. Hey, we got another five-star rating, so that's nice. We're up to 48. Two more, and we're at 50. Come on, two more. I did not know that. That's great. Uh, okay, let's, let's recap the first semifinal game, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Clemson beat Notre Dame 30-3. to Yeah. Ryan, what'd you see here? Yeah, and Notre Dame was just no match for the Tigers. I I I was I believed a little bit in the Domers, but not they couldn't they couldn't compete. Maybe they competed maybe for about 15 minutes. Uh, but Clemson had this game put away by halftime. They outscored Notre Dame 20 to nothing in that second quarter. So second half of this one was pretty meaningless. Uh Clemson's defensive line was dominant as ever, even without Dexter Lawrence. They had six sacks and pretty much did whatever they wanted to Notre Dame's O-line. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he had a good game also. ETN, he went over 100 yards on just 14 carries. So it was just a taking care of business type of win uh, for, for Clemson over an undefeated team, though. So great win. Yeah, it was. And with such a, of course, lopsided uh, result. It's hard to really point at any one play as as being all that important. But if I had to, I'd say that that fumbled kickoff return early in the game. It was three to three at the time, and Notre Dame recovered that fumble at the ten yard line. Looked like they were in business. Could have, you know, stolen some momentum there, but it was reviewed and overturned. What did you guys think about that call? Did it, did it look like that ball was definitively out of bounds to you? Not a hundred percent. I did. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there's, oh, we got a disagreement. Go. All right. <laughs> Let's have a just, lightning round argument or something. Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead, Trey. No, I I I don't I mean, I I thought yeah, it was. Just, I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. So, I don't know. For me, it looked I couldn't say 
conclusively. I, part of the ball looked like it was over the line, but was it above the line or was the nose of the football on the ground? Anyway, I thought that maybe the call should have just stood, whatever it was. But either way, that was a that was a close call and a big call. And the other sequence that pretty much iced this game was the the whole end of the first half. It was 16 to 3 Clemson. They got the ball back with 39 seconds left at their own 20. I think you would see a lot of coaches just just run run the ball there and and get to halftime happy especially to be up. up 16 to 3. Yeah, especially with that defense and I'm sure a ton of coaches would have done that, but Clemson came out throwing, got a big play to Hunter Renfro, a really bad uh roughing the passer penalty from from Jerry Tillery and so Last play of the first half, they threw that uh, that touchdown pass to T. Higgins, that crazy one-handed catch he had. So, yeah, game was over after that. Yep. Uh, some other things I saw in the game, um, I obviously, like you mentioned, Ryan, the D-line, six sacks, eight tackles for loss. And, and then Trevor Lawrence was incredible, but also taking advantage of a Notre Dame secondary that was without Julian Love. Uh, for much of the game, he was out with injury, so I thought that was a big factor. Yeah, it was. That was huge. Ryan, you 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 still not buying Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm holding out until this national title game. Oh here. well, geez, okay, against yeah. Alabama, but he's gonna, he's he's gonna throw he's, like one interception against Alabama. You're like, I told you, I told also, you, he sucks. <laughs> but I was impressed how they how they used him in this game on the zone read a little bit. They, the Irish really keyed in on ETN and Lawrence. Lawrence he kept it for some decent chunks now he's not he's not the uh the most mobile quarterback but but it was effective and then Michael like he can move he can move like you said Michael that that end of the half was the thing that pretty much clinched it uh or at least put the nail in the coffin but again the Irish were just clearly outclassed in another big time bowl game and they were pretty much exposed uh as as having a fraudulent unbeaten uh season this year oh oh wow strong words um no a lot that was a big discussion i feel like after this game is what it means for notre dame like do they need to make some wholesale changes a lot some people were saying they needed to join a conference which i don't see the logic there what i don't that didn't make any sense to me but yeah that doesn't make sense for me it's just I, i i don't think i would be all that alarmed even if i were a notre dame fan it's just you know, you were a very good team. Maybe they were, I know in Massey Peabody coming into the game, they were the eighth best team. So maybe they just were, uh, you know, kind of borderline top 10 team that just faced a freaking incredible team and lost. You know, I, I don't think that's all that much to be ashamed of. No, they, there's, they went 12 and 0. So why would you change anything? I did, you know, Brian Kelly's done a great job there. So just keep on doing what they're doing, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Um, okay. Uh, should we move on to the the Orange Bowl? Yeah, let's do it. So Alabama won forty five to thirty four, and just as I predicted, Ryan, the back door was wide open. It was wide it open, was wide open. <laughs> Oklahoma, <true>. Oklahoma <laughs> just walked right in. Uh, got the cover. Alabama was close to to racing at the very end, but they were. Oh, I was sweating. I was sweating <laughs> that one. But uh, uh, what did you see here, Trey? Well, the the score is about what I expected, but but how they got there wasn't necessarily how I envisioned. Alabama blitzed Oklahoma to a twenty eight nothing lead early in that second quarter, and then from that point on, Alabama was pretty much on cruise control. And Oklahoma tried to make it interesting, but surprise, surprise, 
They couldn't get consecutive stops on defense. Tua played lights out um, mm-hmm. as the ankle ended up really not being an issue. And that touched – you were talking about rainbow passes, Michael, from Kyler yeah. Murray. That one he had where he threw to Rambo for 49 yards right to the back of the end zone, that was just amazing. That was the throw of the year, I think. I think the one before was uh, Will Greer's throw. Uh, yeah. End of that Texas game, but – I thought this throw was better. I mean, he when he threw the ball, I went and watched as many replays as I could. When Kyler Murray released the ball, I think Rambo was at like the 20-yard line. And he caught it a few yards into the end zone. So it was ridiculous. Like, And Murray was, since he was on the run, when he released the ball, like both of his feet were in the air. It was just, it was insane. Yeah, it was great. Um, that, that, was, that was awesome. If I had to criticize Lincoln Riley, though, for anything... It would be him deferring to the second half. Uh, essentially, that allowed Alabama to march down, and they got to play from the lead immediately. Um, you know, it's I don't know. It probably didn't matter, but it it was one factor that I noticed. Yeah, I've I've got a couple more criticisms of of Lincoln Riley. Um, both decisions to to kick field goals. So the first one was Oklahoma's down twenty eight seven midway through the second quarter, and they've got a fourth and five at the nine yard line and they decide to kick a field goal. I just think at that point you're already a huge underdog in the game and you're down 28 seven and you you've shown your defense has shown they're probably not going to stop Alabama very much. So I just don't think a field goal there helps you very much. It doesn't do much at all for you. Yeah, Yeah. You need to take whatever high variance play you can get. Like, yeah, you could end up with zero if you, if you go for it, but you could end up with seven and that's, probably what you're going to need even if you get seven you're probably still going to lose but yeah you're giving yourself a better chance uh so that was one situation and then it was a nearly identical situation beginning of the second half down 21 again down 31 to 10 this time fourth and six at the nine yard line and kicked the field goal i just i just did not like that yeah um ultimately who knows probably didn't matter very much because the defense wasn't getting any stops like he said trey um but that's just because Alabama's really good. They they played a great game. They did have some sloppy penalties in there, um, really on both sides of the ball, but still controlled the game the whole way, and the offense was was perfect. Yeah. I mean, you you guys are talking a little bit about the semantics here, questionable calls and whatnot, but this game was – it was inevitable that Alabama was, was going to win. They were the better team, especially when we saw that Tua was back to his old self. Oklahoma just had no chance with that, so – um, which great sign for Bama going up against Clemson that they don't have to worry about to his, to his ankle. Um, but you know, Michael, you were talking about the back door there and giving yourself a little props. Oh, maybe I'll give myself a little props here Ooh, too. Devonta Smith. Devonta, yeah, Smith. Devonta Smith was my under the radar <laughs> player. Went over a hundred yards and had a touchdown. And then the no, other that was, was huge. He's, he's finally healthy. So that, that's yeah. just as if they needed another offensive yeah, weapon. Exactly. Yeah. He looked to be a big help. Yep. And then that other question you asked me was, Kyler Murray, would he get to 300 yards passing? And I said he barely would. And he uh-huh. did. He, what, he got 308, I think he did. So. Okay. Okay. Good job. Two for two. Yeah. You know, take <laughs> but it. you were wrong about the backdoor cover, so you didn't think they'd sneak in. Oh, yeah. That's true. Hmm. All right. <laughs> um, well, that does it for our recaps of the semifinals. Now let's, uh, let's focus on the championship game. For the third time in four years, well, fourth time in four years, they're playing each other in the playoff, but yeah. third time in four years, it's it's in the championship game. Alabama against Clemson, 
And number one, Alabama. Guess, what's that? I guess that's why they can't sell the tickets. Well, this one. yeah. I, I was, well, it's also way on the West Coast. Just saying. <laughs> ticket sales are not great, apparently. And the prices are, are very low for a national championship game. And yeah, because West Coast and it's in S- Santa Clara. Trey, we've been to a game there. We went to the... The Foster Farms Bowl. Yes, prestigious. <laughs> a couple of years ago, prestigious Foster Farms Bowl. Our tickets were actually fake. Our, our dad bought the tickets. They turned out to be a scam. <laughs> uh, he falls into so many of those things. <laughs> but there were plenty of open seats. So they were just like, yeah, just come on in. We, we were sitting like 10th row, <laughs> great seats. So yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway. We need, we need people in the stands. Um. I don't know what I've already said here, but Alabama's favored by five points. Okay. All right. Yep. And before I give my thoughts on this game, though, I've got a question for you guys. So, scale of one to 10, how excited are you for this game? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, in terms of a national championship, I'm not. I was more excited about Alabama, Georgia last year. Okay. Just because it was different. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to say for a national championship level, maybe like a. Well, I don't know. I mean, these are, I'm going to give it like an eight because these are two of the best teams, you know, we've seen in a long time. So it is, it's a pretty, it is a pretty interesting matchup that way. Yeah. I mean, I'll say seven and a half, seven and a half, eight. Okay. I'm glad you guys were, were fairly high in there because I'm, I'm putting it at a nine. Like I know it's the, these same two teams, but, but it's not though. We've got Tua this time. We've got Trevor Lawrence. I, and these teams are so good. I think these are the best two versions of these teams we've seen. So That's I think true. this is the best matchup we could have had as far as excitement oh, for this game. Totally agree with that. That part I agree with. All right. So maybe we should go, guys. We're close enough. Yeah. Could do it. Um, I'm going to take Clemson with the points in this one. I, I think the Alabama defense, I know they're going up against the best offense in the country, but they showed they're at least a little bit human that, you know, if you've got great receivers and a quarterback who can thread the needle that you can complete deep balls on them. And obviously, uh, Patrick Sertan at times at cornerback for Alabama got picked on a little bit. So I think Lawrence and Justin Ross, T Higgins, I think they're going to have some success. I think the offense overall is going to do, do well enough to stay in the game. And obviously the defense is great. They're going to keep them in the game too. Clemson's defense. I think the big question to be answered as to whether they will win the game is how much pressure can they get on Tua? Because if he's sitting back there and not under relentless pressure, I think he can pick apart that Clemson secondary, especially with all the healthy receivers he has now um, with Devonte Smith back and, and fully healthy. Um, but I don't think they are. Clemson's defense is going to get a ton of pressure because Alabama's only allowed 14 sacks all year. Of course, Dexter Lawrence is still out. So I think the pocket's going to be clean enough for Tua to have a good amount of success. And I'll say Alabama wins a close one, but doesn't cover. I'm I'm with you. And and just kind of getting back to the the matchup, it is, it is the two juggernauts of, of college football. And it, we haven't really seen a rivalry like this in a long time. Generally, teams are just good for short durations. Uh, and they might only cross pass a couple times, but these guys just, just stay ahead. And in terms of this year, yeah, like if Alabama was playing Notre Dame for the national title, I would definitely not be interested or as interested. Oh, that'd be terrible. That'd be terrible. But, uh, but that being said, I'm, I'm picking Clemson against the spread as well. 
I like Clemson's defense slightly more than than Alabama's, but obviously the loss of Lawrence doesn't exactly help. They only give up 93 yards per game on the ground, so they should limit Damian Harris and the, the tied ground game. Now, the biggest key to me in this game is if ETN can be effective rushing. If Bama completely shuts him down, it's going to be awfully hard to solely rely on Trevor Lawrence to beat Alabama. Lawrence, he's way better than against Bama than Kelly Bryant was, and Dabo knew it. The only problem for me is that Bama and Saban historically struggle against a more mobile dual-threat quarterback, so Lawrence is going to have his hands full. So how's he going to react to, you know, getting pressured uh, and pressure in his face? He hasn't really faced a defense like Alabama all season, but, you know, who has? Yeah. Against the Irish, he he hung in there. He was poised. So so that was encouraging. So I see a competitive game as well. Bama wins a close one, but Clemson covers. Yeah, you guys are uh, – I, I agree with both of you guys here. Um, I mean, you know, for ever since the beginning of the season, I I thought Alabama was just so far – ahead of everybody and that included Clemson at the time but you know ever since that Syracuse game for Clemson it seemed like every week they were just gaining an inch on the tide yeah. like every week got their performance and would, they would just dominate and dominate I'm like okay 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 and then when you kind of look at this last game against Notre Dame it's like wow I mean they just destroyed an undefeated good team I think Clemson's to me in my mind they've kind of caught up I whereas yeah. I truly think this national title game is is up for grabs I truly believe Clemson can go in there and win this one whereas you asked me that two months ago I, I didn't think that so yeah totally I still think Alabama's gonna win like you guys but I'm expecting a close one um you guys are matchups that you mentioned were great I'm just gonna mention the I think turnovers will end up being huge I don't with with it being such an evenly matched game at least in my mind now which bounce? Who's going to get the lucky bounce? Who's going to get a tip ball that turns into a pick six or just an interception or a fumble here or there? You know, something like that is going to decide this game. Um, so I'm going to take Clemson here, just like you guys, but should be a good one. Yeah, you mentioned the way Clemson has looked uh, since that Syracuse game. I thought about uh, my analysis just reading the Clemson scores in those. I think it's been nine games since since that Syracuse game. They've just killed everybody. Like. Yeah, it hasn't been close. I, how can how can you not take a good amount of points, five points, with a team that's just been murdering people like that? I mean, I guess that's how good Alabama is, but still. Yeah. Uh, other than that South Carolina one where they just had a hiccup on defense, but yeah, they, they still s- won by three touchdowns. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. Uh, oh, we're not we're not done actually making predictions about this game because I think guys, are you? Uh, are you feeling the the spirits right now? Are you are you having any uh, any visions lately? <laughs> yeah. The vibes are back. Every once in a while, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think then it's time for us to give college football world another psychic reading. I think we gotta inv- invite the uh, clairvoyant bros to the podcast. All right. I'm I'm thinking Clemson is going to get a pick six. There's going to be a play where Tua is getting pressured and I'll try to make a play that just isn't there like we saw against Georgia. He tried to do that. And I think Clemson's going to take advantage of it. Do you think or, or do you see it? It's a good point. <laughs> I see it, Mike. Mm. Mm. I see Clemson scoring first to put the pressure on Alabama to come back as opposed to the Tide being able to sit on a lead. Mm-hmm. 
I'm seeing something, uh, I'm seeing something religious right now. I'm actually, this might be a cross or is there going to be a crucifixion? No, no, it's a T. It's a T. T Higgins, wide receiver for Clemson. He's going to make a one-handed touchdown catch at the end of the game to cover the spread. Mm. Reached a little for that, Mike. I did. I did. But, you know, (laughs) I just let the spirits guide me. All right. The spirits love puns. (laughs) You love puns. I'm I'm seeing neither QB will throw for 250 yards. They both have had huge years and some really big games. But against the two toughest defenses to us face this year, Mississippi State, Georgia, 164 in both games. And Lawrence, he's never faced a defense as good as Alabama's. Hmm. Good point. The announcers will mention that Dabo played for Alabama. I think they will. I'm looking into my crystal ball, and I'm seeing... Imagine Dragons playing at halftime. And I'm seeing Ryan... Oh, Ryan, you're in your hotel room watching the game on television. You're dancing. You're loving it. This is <laughs> fantastic. Oh, no. Oh, you broke your ankle. Oh, man. You were dancing too hard. Oh, my goodness. That's too bad. Be careful yeah. out there. Yeah, that's, that's... Be careful, Ryan. Yeah, be careful, Ryan. <laughs> that Imagine Dragon thing is really <laughs> taking some life there. <laughs> You love Imagine Dragons. <laughs> well, I like them. It's, it's, it's just, what about Lil Wayne? I heard Lil Wayne's going to join. I don't like Lil Wayne, so. Oh, come on. I mean, he's fine. He's, he's just not my cup of tea. Okay. <laughs> You're more of an Imagine Dragons guy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Coaching carousel time. We're done. We're done previewing the national championship. And we got to get to some news that we missed when we were on vacation for the last week. Mark Richt. Retired. I, I learned after... Which one of you texted me? Was it Trey? Uh, probably Trey. I think so. That but. was a whoa moment. Uh, what were your thoughts on this news? I was really surprised. I mean, given yeah. the train wreck season they had, you kind of wondered what was going on behind the scenes. So I'm kind of curious to know if Richt didn't want to spend the time and energy to fix the quarterback and offensive issues, or he just actually wanted to retire. You know, as we all know... I was high on the Rick Tire a few years ago, and after last season, I obviously thought it was that that feeling was validated. But yeah. this this year really left me perplexed. Yeah, no, for sure, I agree with with you, Trey. Um, you know, after yeah, the season was just like I don't know. You go back to before that. What was it? The LSU game where they just got destroyed. Um, before that, like up until that game, it's like okay, Miami's kind of coming back. Rick's got this program yeah. going. They're recruiting insanely well. And yeah. it's like, okay, and you would have, you would have asked me then, is Rick going to have to kind of retire at the end of this year? It's like, what are you talking about? No way. But, you know, after the season did unfold and we saw Manny Diaz leave and we saw all those recruits just jump ship, after that, I'm not nearly as surprised just because any positive momentum that he had was gone. And he was just, it was just getting that Owl Golden type of vibe again down there. So, yeah. um, not stunned after what's happened, but stunt three months ago yeah yeah no it was it's you stated all the reasons there ryan it miami was looking like a sinking ship uh, right now so i guess he just decided to get out of dodge decided it was best for both sides which i think it is really yeah who knows who was really the you know did they kind of force him out or what but 
Yeah, either way. I mean, I think it was just his choice. I think it might have come by surprise. Uh, but either way, I, yeah, I, I do think it's best for both sides. Yeah. And Miami hired Manny Diaz, which is yeah. kind of equally crazy <laughs> because he just took the job at Temple. Um, kind of did a Dana Altman there, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. Uh, what did <laughs> yeah. you? Uh, what's your grade for this hire, Trey? I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, he's obviously familiar with with Miami, having been there and coaching up a great Canes defense. And we we also saw how much of an impact, or it looked like how much of an impact he had on on recruiting based on those those decommits right after they that he left. And but he also I like what he did after he got hired. He also recognized the offensive woes and he axed the entire offensive staff, which is a good move to kind of clean house, start fresh there. And you know it's unfortunate for Temple, but but good for Miami. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I agree with you, Trey. It's a it's a good hire for the U. He clearly is Miami, like a Miami guy. Um, he's going to bring in top flight talent. You you can tell that the recruits obviously respect him and will follow him. So I think you'll see the U finish the second you know uh, signing day strong. They're gonna they're gonna get some guys there at the end. Um, defense is great, but like you said, Trey, he recognizes there's an issue there on that offense. And as hard as it is to fire everybody that you've been working with for the past few months. He did it. He knew he had to do it. So that's that's major props to him. Um, but we haven't mentioned yet is who he's going to replace him with. And it looks like Major Applewhite is going to be the offensive coordinator there now. So that's, you know, I, it's that's kind of a meh right now, you know, after yeah. what happened to him at Houston. But at least Diaz recognizes that, you know, the offense, he wants it to be cutting edge, he said. He wants it to be modern. So that's good for me. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, Diaz is, is the right choice. Yeah. So what's your grade for it, Ryan? A minus. A minus. Okay. I'm going B plus like Trey. Uh, I think you guys said all the relevant points. I mean, just to hammer home the fact that he's a good fit in the city of Miami. His dad was the mayor there. He, yeah, exactly. And he grew up in Miami. So uh, really great fit there. I think I would have given an A had they hired Mario Cristobal from Oregon. He's a He's a Miami alum. And just given what Cristobal has done recruiting wise his first year at Oregon yeah you think yeah. he would have been able to replicate that at Miami and yeah he's had success at FIU as a head coach so um I thought that would have been a little better hire but apparently his buyout at Oregon was just too much for that to be an option so solid hire yeah. uh Houston fired Major Applewhite the guy you just talked about Ryan yep and they hired Dana Holgerson which another surprising move um what were your thoughts on on this, Ryan? And what's your grade? Well, he definitely wanted out of West Virginia. It's been pretty well known for a little while now, but yeah, that's true. I, I feel, anyways. But back to major, I feel a little bit bad for him because he took over a program that was at like its ultimate high under Tom Herman. So, I mean, there was it was going to be really hard for for Major Appleby to keep it at that at that level. And uh, you know, he lost five games in back to back years, which is not horrible, but. It, obviously the end of this year was was not good he got to, destroyed by army and i think they lost four of their last five but um you know but the president said what a couple of years ago when he was hired it's like eight and four gets you fired here so i, I wasn't totally surprised because the president said it so <laughs> yeah. holgerson seems like a good fit i i have no problem with the move of of getting rid of apple white like you said, Ryan, he he inherited a lot though from Herman, and he didn't do a whole lot with it. And we we kind of yeah. saw the issues he had with with Ed Oliver, and even with their stud Derek King, who Michael is obsessed with, they were still losing some games. Uh, as for as far as Holgerson, I'm grading that an A. 
Uh, it's a perfect yep. fit there. Yeah. And Houston, they should be a fun AAC team for the years to come. Oh, I didn't get my grade there. My, I'm an I'm an A minus guy here for for Holy A minus. Yeah. Okay. I give it an A. I mean, stealing a, a coach who was successful at the Big Twelve level, not crazy, overwhelmingly successful, but successful. Um, I think at an AAC school, that's that's an A higher. Um, okay, I think you guys covered that well. Uh, another coaching move. Poor Troy. They were so close to surviving <laughs> the offseason. But Neil Brown is reportedly finalizing a deal to become West Virginia's head coach. And I'll give my grade first on this one. Very close to going A+, plus, but I'll just go A. I mean, he took over a pretty bad Troy team. They hadn't made a bowl game for four straight years. And the last three years, Neil Brown's gone 10-3, and 11-2, and 10-3. And he's super young. He's only 38 years old. I just think this move makes all the sense in the world. It's a no-brainer. And I really think Texas Tech, Georgia Tech, schools like that, I think they're going to regret not hiring Neil Brown. Yeah, that's. I agree with you, Mike. Um, you know, it's kind of easy to forget, but you think Troy and, I don't know, Troy's been, you, you feel like they've been good for such a long time, but you kind of forget that that four-year period before Neil Brown that they really weren't. They had fallen mm-hmm. on hard times, so... Just the fact that he was able to turn them around is, you know, we t- always talk about it all the time. Was he able to build a program? That's that's huge. So you, maintaining it's one thing, but building one on your own, that's 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 huge. So at West Virginia, though, he's not going to have to do that. West Virginia's in a good spot, uh, thanks to Horgerson. So I think he'll continue to build on what he did. And I, I, I think it's an A minus higher for, for West Virginia. Yeah, I'm giving it B plus, high B plus. Uh, for being late in the game, in terms of the coaching carousel, I think this could be the best hire when we end up looking back at this crop of, of coaching changes. And he's, he's from that Hal Mummy, Mike Leach coaching tree. So that should fit West Virginia and the Big 12. Yep. Absolutely. Next, we have a coordinator hire and we haven't really talked about those a lot because I mean, there's enough head coaching moves as it is that. There's only so much time and we'll have a lot more time in the offseason to to get to coordinators. But want to bring up this one because Oklahoma's defense is, I mean, that's the one side of the ball really in the country that really has the most room for improvement. And they hired Alex Grinch, co-defensive coordinator from Ohio State. Uh, What's your grade on this one? Great hire. I'm saying I'll say A. Uh, when he got Washington State's 100th ranked defense and turned them into a top 30 defense within a couple of years, it was pretty remarkable. He got now a year under his belt uh, at Ohio State, a little bit bigger program, and 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 he ha- was under Shiano. So he's going to be able to bolster his resume there, and I think it's a home run for Lincoln Riley. It's what he had to do. Yeah, I I agree with you, Trey. Uh, it's it's a, the perfect hire for for Oklahoma. I I know Ohio State's defense wasn't all that it probably should have been this season, but <laughs> no, he he didn't have complete control with Greg Schiano there. So I'm willing to kind of let that one go and look back to what he and they t- lost Bosa and yeah, exactly. There were some extenuating circumstances where I'm I'm willing to look past it and just look to what he did at Wazoo, like you mentioned, it was incredible. So. You know, and the good thing for Grinch here is that it won't take much time for him to improve that OU defense. It's, you know, they were almost as bad as it gets. And he's, he actually has some good pieces to work with coming back. You know, he's got, it's been the front seven. He's got Ronnie Perkins uh, and, and another K Murray, Kenneth Murray. Uh, so now I, I agree with you, Trey. I'm going to say this is an A. Okay. Last bit of news here is 
not a coaching move, but a transfer. Justin Fields, it had been kind of rumored for a while and still not official, but reportedly he's going to be transferring to Ohio State. <laughs> What's that? It's pretty official at this point. He released a he released a letter. Yeah. Oh, he did? Okay. Well, I didn't see that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Don't sandbag me like that, Ryan. Maybe just tell me <laughs> It was like an hour ago. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> still not official. I, until until he's literally enrolled in classes, guys, I'm not calling it official. Yeah. All right. No. Uh, how big a deal is this? It's a huge deal. I mean, he was the number one overall recruit a couple years ago, and then- No, he was number two. He was number two, Ryan. Idiot. <laughs> Depending on where you look. <laughs> I'm not mad, <laughs> but, but he, I mean, he, and whenever he had the opportunity, uh, in this past year, he, he looked good. So, and Ohio state, I, I mean, I, they have, you know, Haskins is going to be gone. As, and then, so you got Tate Martell, they're going to try to get, they're going to try to get fields eligible this year. I'm not certain they'll be able to do that, but if they, if they are, then I, Justin Fields has got to be the guy. I mean, I know Tate Martell's, he ain't happy. He, Pretty he much is, trying to get. He's, that's an understatement. He's he's talking some trash. Yeah, exactly. So this, it's not going to be a friendly QB room there. Well, it's a big win for Ryan Day. And like you said, though, Martell's, I don't think he'll get the, or sorry, I don't think Fields is going to get that hardship waiver. So Martell's going to have a chance this year to kind of prove himself. You don't that, think so? Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, there's a, there is always a chance. Yeah, I think there's a good chance, but. But they're getting more lenient on that, you know. So. They they are. But say say he doesn't, he's going to have a full, you know, audition in, in this season to to kind of make his case. So we'll see. But it, regardless, Justin Fields such a dynamic talent, and it's just adding to the talent rich Buckeyes. Yeah. Okay. Now we are finally to our bowl recaps. We have I think what do we have twenty one games here that we uh, just a few just a few we haven't recapped yeah. so. Yeah. Again, this is really just kind of we we promised that we would preview and recap every bowl game. We've previewed all of them, and we just have these last twenty one to recap. That's all. So, are we gonna go one by one here, Mike, or are we gonna like we, we're going seven in a row? One by oh no, you're going seven in a row. We're going seven in a row from Ryan, seven in a row from me, and then seven from Trey. All right, we've got some interesting nuggets. I don't want people to be scared. I mean, okay, yeah, no, I've got some, I got some trivia thrown in in mine. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some interesting tidbits. So we're good. Okay. All right. Then don't turn the podcast off. All right. Keep listening. <laughs> all right. I'll yeah, get us I'll, really underselling it, Michael. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, all right. I'll get us going with the, the bowl game of the year. Uh, for sure. The cheese it bowl, Cal and TCU. Oh boy. People are going to turn off the podcast right now, right? <laughs> well, we, is we, we covered halftime of this game, uh, our <laughs> last podcast. Um, but let's just talk about the second half. It did not get much better. Um, like three, I think there was four more interceptions thrown in that second half. So there's a total of nine in the game. Uh, TCU ended up winning this one 10 to seven in overtime, but got to mention Grayson Mulestein stats. He was seven of 20. For 27 yards and four picks, yet his team won. So, good job, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Props. wins a win. Oh, wins a win. Did what he had to do. Yeah. Uh, next one, we got the walk-ons Independence Bowl. Temple Duke was kind of a, a crazy game. Temple was able to jump on Duke early. They were up 27 to 14 in the second quarter, looking good. But then Duke went on a 42 to nothing run uh, and completely dominated the Owls. Uh, Daniel Jones threw for over 400 yards, five touchdowns. So. 
huge game from him and then decided to promptly go pro, which was probably a good choice with somebody like Jake Herbert or um, Justin Herbert coming back. So, yeah, solid move. Um, yeah, not a great uh, bowl season for the AAC. No, no. What are you going to do? Just, just buy two cents. That's, that's why you're still listening, folks. Power six conference, right? Power <laughs> six conference. Um, and we got the the Alamo Bowl here was next. We had Iowa State versus Wazoo. Great game. Um, but the surprising season ends with another win for the Cougs. Uh, the Cyclones couldn't convert a two-point conversion with about four minutes left to try and tie it at 28. Uh, a couple of big plays here were the two targeting calls that went against the Cyclones in the second quarter. Um, that knocked players out of the game. And then David Montgomery's fumble. Uh, so the Cougs, uh, we were a little fortunate to pull this one out, but Minshew did uh, what he had to do. He had an amazing year, and he set the Pac-12 record for most passing yards in a season. You guys know who uh, whose record he broke? Um, Was it Luke Falk? No, it, it's it's not a Coug, surprisingly. Oh, okay. Yeah, who? It's it's recent. It's very recent, but not a Coug. Was it uh, Nick Foles? No, it, it's a North. It's a school from the North. Marcus Mariota. Not that school. <laughs> was it? <laughs> uh, it's gone off the rails. <laughs> well, Trey, you're not even trying. It's either Oregon State or UW. Then it's no, not no. Oh. Andrew Luck? No. <laughs> oh, wait a sec. Wait a sec. Jared Goff? Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, yes. Every other school. We got there. Wow, that was first guess. Amazing. First, yeah. Props. All right. Yes, Jared Goff. So, good for good for Minshew. I had some bad guesses in there. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's all right. Trey didn't even try, so. <laughs> probably, probably came out looking a lot better than I did. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got the Peach Bowl. Florida and Michigan. Michigan didn't look too good either, Mike's. Uh, they got they just couldn't flush out that Ohio State beat down, I guess, and Florida no. whipped up on them as well, 41 to 15. Michael, you still have value on that ticket though. Well, you know, listen, I if closing <laughs> line value could could pay rent, then I'd be living in a mansion right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, Gators rushed all over the maize and blue. They rushed for 257 yards on the ground. Wolverines on the flip side were able only only able to rush for 77. So dominating effort from the Gators and uh, definitely some anxiety uh, going on up there in Ann Arbor probably right now. Uh, moving on to the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. I had to get that whole name in there. <laughs> Where was it played, Ryan? Uh, the San Diego County Credit Union Stadium. <laughs> Good, yep. Yep. <laughs> Where do you bank? <laughs> I guess you don't want to say that publicly. I don't want to say it, you know. <laughs> okay, fine. Where do you bank? Wells Fargo. Ah, nice. Actually, not nice. They opened up a fraudulent credit card in my name. I was going to say, not. But I forgive them. <laughs> <laughs> they're recommitting to you, though. So They are. They are. <laughs> I'm sure they're not going to screw me over again. <laughs> All right, we got Northwestern Utah. Um, third quarter was a quarter to forget for Ute fans. Uh, they were dominating, actually, up 23 to... 20 to 3 at half, uh, but Northwestern converted three Utah turnovers into 21 points in that third quarter, and then they added one more to that. Uh, so it was a 28 nothing quarter for Northwestern, and nobody scored in the fourth, so Northwestern won 31 to 20. Six total turnovers, though, for Utah. That, uh, that hurts. They were definitely missing Huntley. Uh, moving on to the Military Bowl, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, another good game. Um, 
Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter got hurt early, which was unfortunate. Uh, had to leave the game. Uh, but their backup, uh, Hayden Moore, he came in and did a pretty solid job. Uh, but didn't need too much from him. Michael Warren, their Cincinnati's running back, he had a great game. Um, he ran and Cincinnati ran for over 250 yards with four touchdowns. So against a weak, hokey rush, rush defense that kind of happened all year. Um, and since he pulled this one out 35 to 31. So 11 wins for Cincy. Great, great year for Luke Fickle. And then finally, my last game is the Sugar Bowl, Texas, Georgia. This is exactly why I took Texas in this game, because you just kind of knew Georgia wouldn't be as motivated Mm. as the Longhorns. Ellinger did what Sam Ellinger does, decent enough through the air, but had three rushing touchdowns and didn't turn the ball over. Michael loves that. I do. Uh, I love that. Defensively, the Longhorns played great. They forced a couple of turnovers and held Georgia to just 72 rushing yards. Um, but as far as the overall outlook after this game, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm not too concerned. You know, they were no doubt a top five team and no doubt a top five team heading into next season. Um, it's more of a big deal for Texas. Maybe this helps propel them under Herman, at least gives him a signature signature win. And, you know, they're going to be probably most likely top 10, maybe even higher next season. So and they get Colin Johnson back. He already announced he's he's returning. So huge news all the way around. Yeah. Tom Herman as an underdog. Unbelievable. He continues yeah. to do it. Yeah, you got you guys mentioned that. But I agree. I, I would not be concerned at all if I were a Georgia fan. I think maybe I just saw this from Florida fans on Twitter, but people talking about well, there was a lot of comparisons of of um Kirby Smart's first three years to Mark Richt. And, you know, they spotted a lot of similarities record wise, but and it's hard for me to remember back, but I'm pretty sure that Georgia was not pulling in number one classes. Number one overall? No. Yeah. I'd- so, I don't know. I, I I have the utmost confidence in Kirby Smart right now. I mean, and we also didn't even have to play the game when we saw that Bevo attacked Uga oh, right before the game. Good so. point. Good point. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> A sign of things to come. Man. Um, okay. Now, here are my seven games. You guys ready? Bring it on. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for your trivia. Okay, well, I've got a couple. You know, you'll get we'll get to that. Uh first, New Era Pinstripe Bowl, Wisconsin beat Miami 35 to 3. Jack Cohn burned his red shirt here to throw 11 passes in a blowout victory. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor did most of the work. 205 rushing yards and a touchdown, and the Miami quarterbacks were terrible. I'm I'm going to spare you and, and not read their stats, but Thank they you. were very bad. Camping World Bowl West Virginia against Syracuse was a close game for most of it, but Syracuse pulled away late and won 34 to 18, 10 and three season for Dino Babers and Syracuse. Unbelievable. Another team that is lucky to be retaining their head coach. Um, Jack Allison replaced Will Greer in this one, and that was just too big of a downgrade for West Virginia. But here's my, this isn't really true. It's just a fun fact I have for you. Maybe you saw this, but. Will Greer, of course, great college quarterback, never played in a bowl game. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, because the first year suspended. Freshman year, he was suspended. Sophomore year, sat out because he transferred. Last year, he had that finger injury. And then this year, of course, by choice. So, pretty crazy. Nice fact, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. I've got another even more fun fact. I had to do some research for it. Okay. Coming up later. Coming up in a few games here. (laughs) Belk Bowl, Virginia won 28 to nothing against South Carolina. Terrible game yeah. from my boy Jake Bentley. 17 of 40 passing, 
with two interceptions. Uh, but what a year for Virginia. Eight and five under Bronco Mendenhall. Two of those losses were in overtime, so could have been even better. And Bryce Perkins is is going to be back next year at quarterback. Their star cornerback, Bryce Hall, also announced that he's coming back. So could be a, a really good year for Virginia next year. Yeah. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Texas A&M won 52-13 to against NC State. And Travion Williams had a huge game. 236 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. And I feel like we didn't talk about him enough this year. He had a really, really good year. 1,760 yeah, yards, 18 touchdowns on six and a half yards per carry. He's going pro, Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him next year. Yep. But um, A&M obviously headed in the right direction under Jimbo. Yep. Hyundai Sun Bowl, Stanford versus Pitt. So the way this one kind of ended, I guess Stanford's game-winning touchdown here was was crazy. So yeah. Stanford's down 13-7 to with 11 minutes left in the game. And KJ Costello fumbled in the red zone. And the fumble <laughs> just flies through the air and goes right into the hands of Cameron Scarlett for a touchdown. That was the last score of the game, 14-13. Um, Stanford yeah, wins. Pretty fortunate there. Yeah. Pretty pretty ugly game uh, from both offenses. Yeah. Okay. Rose Bowl. Washington against Ohio State. So at one point, Ohio State led 28-3. to And this was, I think, the craziest backdoor cover oh, <laughs> no yeah, doubt. Yeah, of them all. The, the, the closing line was Washington plus five and a half. And, of course, they ended up losing by five points. So they covered by a half point. And in order to do that, of course, they needed to score three touchdowns in that fourth quarter and they hadn't scored a touchdown for 19 straight possessions but in the fourth quarter of course three touchdowns um and they got that cover like i said well and and that last the two-pointer almost went back (laughs) that's right that's right yeah (laughs) so it was crazy and also washington punting with what was it there was like four under four minutes left and they're down by 11 and they punted yeah yeah fourth down I and they called know. a timeout I mean, before. Out. What's that? They called a timeout right before that. Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous. some pretty bad game management decisions there. But uh, but hey, they got the cover. It was just, it was a success. <laughs> um, so Urban Meyer ends his career with a win. Uh, presumably, Dwayne Haskins. Ryan, you already said it like it's a done deal. He has oh, a, oh, he's going pro. Oh, he's going. Pro. Oh, he's going pro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is that, Lawrence Maroney? Yeah. I'll just tell that story real quick. So I haven't been able to find this clip anywhere, but really? Lawrence Maroney for Minnesota, he was a running back, I think in like, I don't know, like 04 or something. Maybe a little. Four or five, maybe? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, around there. And after his bowl game, they won, and they interview him right after the game. And usually, <laughs> of course, players are like, oh, you know, I got to think about it. I'm not sure if I'm going pro. I just got to talk with my family. And they, they ask him, so so do you think you'll be uh, you know, going pro next? Or do you think you'll be coming back to school next year or what? And they give him the microphone. He's like, oh, I'm going pro. Oh, I'm going pro. <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome, which was just amazing. Yeah, um, that was a good one. Anyway, if anyone finds that click, clip, uh, send it to us on twitter at cfb bros um, but here's my fun fact my fun fact here so jake browning had 54 pass attempts in the game but zero touchdowns zero wow. passing touchdowns so i was wondering what is the uh the most pass attempts without a passing touchdown and so i used the play index at college football reference which is really cool it only goes back to 2000 um, but still, so how many times do you think someone has thrown for more 
than 54 attempts with without scoring a touchdown. Since 2000? Since 2000. How many times? Okay. You're not asking us what's the record, just how many times? Well, both. Go ahead for okay. both. Okay. All righty. Um, I'm just going to say once and like 60. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll just, I'm going to say twice and I'll say uh, 64. Okay. So it's 28 times. Oh my gosh. Wow. And uh, number one on the list was uh, 66 pass attempts. Ooh, that was close. By Scott Risloff of San Jose State. Uh, but it's a pretty interesting list. Uh, uh, ahead of of jake browning so number two on the list if, is cliff kingsbury with 65 pass attempts and he actually had another game where he did it we had 57 pass attempts without a touchdown so he's on there twice the wow. hefty lefty is on the oh, list Renzen, Renzen. cody pickett another uw quarterback yeah johnny football wow josh rosen josh freeman landry jones against nebraska oh yeah brad smith against nebraska yep and those are the only ones I wrote down, but interesting names. That play index is super cool. I'm going to start using that in future episodes. There was a lot of big names in those that list. That's pretty pretty nuts. I know. I guess if you're going to throw it that many times, they trust you. <laughs> you must be pretty good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Except for that San Jose State guy. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, I forgot about him. Probably never knew him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my last bowl game here: VRBO Citrus Bowl. Kentucky beat Penn State. 27-24. Benny Snell became the all-time leading rusher in Kentucky history. Snell, yeah. Okay. But very nice. You Frank. see his tattoo? No. What was it? He has a tattoo on his stomach that says Snell, yeah. Oh, see, now I was watching highlights of the game, clips of it, because I only watched the last few minutes of it um, when I was in New York, but I did see him like lift up his... Yeah. Okay, his whole I'd... stomach is it says <laughs> Snell, yeah. Huh. Okay, that's pretty cool. I like it. Um, <laughs> but so it was a close game at the end. I did watch the end of it. Uh, Penn State was down six with four minutes left. They had a fourth and seven at Kentucky's fourteen, and they kicked a field goal. Yeah, which yeah, I know. And they had and they were rolling. Yeah, I thought they should have gone yeah. for it. I mean, totally, should, definitely. Yeah. I mean, a field goal. You. I mean, if you kick one, you still got to kick another one. So it's like, yeah, I just didn't think it did you all that much good. And they were, and they had scored like twenty unanswered or something like to that, or seventeen, yeah. whatever it was. Like they were rolling. It's a bowl game too, man. It's a bowl game. Like, you know, go for the win. Agreed. But uh, kick the field goal, and then they ended up getting the ball back with one second left. So they had no chance. That was it. Yep. And that is all my seven games. That was that felt like I was talking forever there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to start out with the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, uh, Baylor versus Vanderbilt. Charlie Brewer led Baylor to a 45-38 win. He had 384 yards and also 109 yards rushing. Definitely reason for hope next year as he's only going to be a junior. Keyshawn Vaughn, though, for Vandy, he was a monster. He had 243 yards on only 12 carries. Yeah, <laughs> Yikes. Uh, not, not, a so, lot, not a lot of good defense there. No, no. Matt Rule did did well this year to get his team to go from one eleven to to seven and six. So year three is going to be a real gauge uh, to see where he can he can take the Bears. The Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, which had Purdue versus Auburn. Auburn. This is the ugliest bowl game of the year. Auburn <laughs> yeah, won sixty three to fourteen. 
Auburn scored 28 points in both the first and second quarters to set a bull record of 56 points and a half. Crazy. Where was this Auburn offense all year? It's a good win for Gus Malzahn leading into a big offseason for for him and Auburn. No stidham. The worst news. What's that? Oh, sorry. I just take I just take that news from you. Sorry, <laughs> I, I said no stidham. No, I I know, I know. I'm just. Oh, yeah. by the way, we will we will get to um all the players that have announced they're going pro. I don't, we haven't really mentioned many of them on the podcast, but uh, beginning of the off season, we'll have a whole episode where we we talk about that. Yeah, sure. Now, the worst news of the bowl season was that Tyler Trent passed away on New Year's. Uh, Colts owner Jim Mersey actually flew Tyler and his family on his jet to the to the bowl game. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But the way Tyler handled everything uh, was awesome to watch, and it was great to see his story the last couple months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, move, moving on, the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl, Arkansas State against Nevada. Weird game. Nevada won sixteen to thirteen in overtime. Arkansas State, though, they outgained Nevada 499 to 285 yards. They had 25 first downs, and Nevada only had 15, yet they somehow lost. They were, they only built a 7-3 to lead. The offense couldn't do much. Justice Hansen threw three picks, which was unfortunate to close out his career. Now, the coolest moment was on stage after the game when Jay Norvell awarded walk-on receiver Ben Putnam a scholarship. He was the one that caught two 44-yard passes that were crucial. Uh, for the win. Wow. AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Missouri versus Oklahoma State. Okie State won a wild one, 38-33. Cornelius Corndog threw four touchdown passes and the Pokes build up a, they build up a 35-19 to lead before Missouri stormed back and it seemed like they would win. With 10 minutes left and the Cowboys up two, Gundy called for a fake punt on his own 27-yard line and it failed. Somehow though, Oklahoma State's defense stepped up and they stopped Missouri by blocking their field goal attempt. Then Missouri later in the game drove all the way down to the nine yard line before turning it over on downs on a fourth and one in the final seconds. Drew Locke was great, 373, three touchdowns. Larry Roundtree had 200, over 200 yards rushing, but, but not enough. Going from that juggernaut of a game to the Red Box Bowl, which had Michigan State and Oregon. Oh, boy. <laughs> this was one of the more painful games to watch. This was equal to the Cheez-It Bowl in a, in a different way. <laughs> Oregon won 7-6. to six. Michigan State dominated this game on defense. They held Oregon to only 203 yards, 11 first downs. But as we know, the theme all season with the Spartans is their offense was pathetic. They only managed two field goals. They missed a long one in the fourth quarter and then had a bad hold on another one, which cost them even later. Oregon did run a fake punt, though, that was one of the worst I've ever seen. It was eerily <laughs> similar, to the, similar to that one that the, the Colts tried to run against the Patriots a few years back. It was Yeah, yeah that one. <laughs> it was bad, <laughs> but they prevailed and they got Herbert coming back. So moving on. The PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, LSU versus UCF. LSU won 40 to 32, but this was a strange game. After an early pick six, Central Florida went up 14 to three, and you kind of thought, oh, they might actually do this again, even without Milton. Yeah. But Joe Burrow settled down, had his best game, throwing for 394, four touchdowns. But now you look at the stats, and you really wonder how it was only an eight point game to finish. LSU outgained UCF 555 to 250. They had a 32 to 17 first down edge. But what's crazier is they had the ball for almost 45 minutes of this game. Um, they, they totally dominated. Just 
you know, a pick six though is just uh, that's huge. Yeah. And so, what do you guys think about this game? Does this tell you anything? Obviously, the the talking heads, some people on Twitter are saying, "Oh, see, you know, shut up, UCF. You went up against a real team and got dominated." Or I mean, maybe the opposite from UCF fans. Yeah, I don't know. I thought UCF they've kind of proven now that they can pretty much play with with about anybody. I mean, th- this was a little misleading of a score, but and they did it without Mackenzie Milton. I mean, I really, I, it would have been fun to see Mackenzie Milton up against LSU. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think it, it tells us all that much because they were without Mackenzie Milton, so that that's obviously bad for them. I mean, LSU was without a lot of players, especially they defensively. Were. Yeah, they were. So that doesn't look great for UCF, but I don't know. It I was, think UCF, I mean, they're just they're they're a legit top fifteen team, and especially with Mackenzie Milton, they definitely are. Yeah, and but are you know they did they deserve to be in the playoff? No, they they didn't. But you know, I think we can all agree. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. And finally, to wrap up our recaps, we've got the the Outback Bowl, Mississippi State versus Iowa. Mississippi State and Iowa, they have such similar styles, and it wasn't surprising to see this game play out like it did. Iowa won 27-22. It's amazing Iowa won, though, as they had minus 15 yards rushing (laughs) and only 199 total yards against that insanely good Bulldogs defense. Now, the play of the game, though, was in the middle of the fourth quarter with Iowa up two. Nick Fitzgerald threw a perfect laser pass. Shocking, I know. Perfect (laughs) pass to his receiver wide open in the end zone, only for him to somehow bobble it up in the air, and Iowa picked it off in the end zone. In the end, I feel like going eight and five with that incredible defense was a wasted opportunity for a really good season for Mississippi State. Yep, that's true. That's a good point, Trey. All right. That's it. No mas. We did it. We did it. Yep. Uh, Ryan, we'll let you get back to uh, to your vacation, Monument Valley. It's a great place. Where are you going next? Uh, we'll be in, uh, it's our last stop tomorrow. We're going to go to Lake Havasu City. It's just kind of on the way home. So uh, that's the last stop. Where are you going to watch the title game? I'll be home for that. Oh, okay. Oh, so my, my clairvoyant vision of you in your hotel room watching it was uh, you know, maybe a little bit off. rain on your parade there. You know, you I would I'd say wrap your ankles though wrap your ankles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he does break his ankle even in his apartment, that's not good. Honestly, if you broke your ankle, that could be some good publicity for the podcast. That might make the rounds on the internet. So I'm just saying, it'd be a real shame. <laughs> I'm gonna be looking. Take out. one for the team, Ryan. <laughs> you can't lie. At halftime, when you're watching Imagine Dragons, you're like, <laughs> your wife's gonna be like, "Could you go oh. get me a soda?" Like, no, I can't move. No, I'm not moving. Can't leave. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, that'll do it for our CFP Championship preview episode. We hope everyone enjoys the game on Monday night, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.